0: Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, God, that's given us life, Lord. We praise you. We worship you this morning, that, God, you did not leave us as orphans, but, Father, you poured out your Spirit, that you would dwell in us and with us forever. And, God, today we know that not because of ourselves, but because of you, God, we can accomplish all things for your kingdom. That, God, your kingdom is indeed growing inside of us today. Your kingdom is growing inside of us, God. There's a living God that lives in us, who wells up, God, even in our imperfections. You pour out yourself, God. You've given us all things that are necessary for life and godliness. God, would you just continue to raise us up this morning? Would you continue to work in our hearts today? And long after we've said amen and left this building, God, Your church still goes. Your church still moves, God. You continue to move in us and dwell in us and work through us, Lord. We love you, God, and thank you. Thank you for that. I want you to listen to these verses out of Acts chapter 4. In these verses, Peter and John have just been released from prison for preaching the gospel. I want you to hear this. It says, On their release, and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God, we pray for a shaking. We pray for a great move of your spirit, not just in this building, but in our hearts, Lord. A great shaking today, that we would be once again filled with the Holy Spirit. God, no matter what we face, the threats we may face tomorrow, we know, God, that we have all we need in you. God, your word even says right here, why do the nations rage? We look around us, Lord, and we know there's an election coming up on Tuesday. And we know that there's anxiety about this. But even when the nations rage, even when things seem chaotic, Lord, you are the sovereign who created all things. And we trust you in that, Lord. We pray, Father. For, for your kingdom to grow, for your kingdom to grow, Lord. We know the greatest change agent in the world is your spirit, and only you can change hearts. And so we pray for that, God. We pray for our nation, that you, Lord, would be king of our, our nation, that you, Lord, are the king of kings, that you would be able to rule over our nation. Lord, would you turn many, many hearts back to you? Would you change hearts and lives, Lord? Would you continue to draw men and women to yourself? Lord, right now, uh, Lord, we in, in spite of all that's going on in our nation, we know you can change it. We know you can work, God. And so we pray for that, God. We pray right now boldly for a great move of your spirit, a great awakening that comes to this nation where the church becomes the church and we begin to proclaim your gospel, not just on Sunday morning, but in the marketplace, God that we would begin to show the love of Christ all around us, that we would have great boldness and courage to declare, God, who you are and what you've done. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, just as we're about to look at that you use ordinary, uneducated men and women to change the world. So, God, we thank you right now for that. And I just believe there are many, many people here today and watching even online right now, Lord, that you're gonna use in incredible ways. Lord, anoint your servants today again with the power of your Holy Spirit for the great work that you've called us to do, Lord. Oh God, in troubled waters, you spoke peace. You spoke to the waves, you spoke to the wind. And You said peace. And the waves and the wind and the chaos subsided. Would you do that in our land? Would you do that in our land, Lord? Would you speak peace? Oh, God, would you move in mighty ways? That, Lord, your name would be the name that's exalted in all things, Father. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Let me ask you this question real quick. How many of you, glad you're here, by the way, how many of you want to live an astonishing life for Jesus, for God? How many of you really, you like, in your heart, like, I want to live this life that astonishes people. Um, We're about to read some scripture here in just a second, but this is what we're gonna see, that these ordinary, everyday people, um, these disciples and apostles that Jesus was using, these were ordinary, everyday people. And and so we, we see that Jesus uses, God uses, God fills ordinary people with the power of his spirit and uses them in insane ways. But here's the thing. One more time. How many of you, we want, to, we want to live amazing lives, astonishing lives. People will look at our lives and say, man, I am a star. What in the world is going on? How did, how did that happen? We want to do that, right? Well, let me tell you a quick story, though. Um, when I played baseball at Georgia Southern, been many, many years ago now, a long time ago. Um, you know, and, and, and it was just been a long time. And so um, when I played there... Um, Coach Stallings, who was our head coach, told us the story one time. And it was about this kid who came to baseball camp every year, every year he came to baseball camp and, and, and he'd been coming maybe you know, three, four, five years. And from the time he was really small, now he's growing up. And every year he would come up to Coach Stallings and he would just say, you know, Coach Stallings, I'd do anything to play baseball at Georgia Southern. I'd do anything to play basketball year after year. I'd do anything to play baseball at Georgia. I'd do anything. And so finally, one year, I guess he kind of got tired of it. And so he finally told the kid, he said, all right, This is what I want you to do. I want you to get up every morning before school and I want you to go hit 100 balls in the cage and I want you to throw and I want you to take ground balls and fly balls. Get up early enough before school to do that every day and then after school, you need to go and you need to hit at least another 100 balls and then you need to throw and you need to take ground balls and you need to take fly balls, you need to run, you need to work out, you need to lift, you need to do all these things and he's telling the kid this and, and you know he's kind of just staring at him and then when he gets done, the kid goes, I don't want to do all that. And Coach Stalin said, then shut up. <laughs> now, can you imagine telling this kid if you knew him, you would understand, right? And, and so he just like, "Then shut up. And sometimes I find myself in that situation. I even think about that a lot of times in life where, man, I'll say I want this, or I say I want that. I wanna know Jesus more. I want to accomplish this. I wanna accomplish that, I, you know, all these different things. And then I start thinking about, well, I'm gonna need to do this, I'm gonna need to do that, I'm gonna need to do this. I'm gonna to do this. And then um, those words come back to me from that story. Well, I don't really wanna do, this. then shut up, right? And so I think about that a lot in life. Do I really, really want this? Do I really, really want this? Or, or am I just saying, man, I, I really want it?" But what we're really saying is, I really like for it to be handed to me. I really like for somebody just to do it for me kind of thing. Well, listen to these verses. I'm, we're going to pick up here um, in uh, chapter four. Let's go to verse. Let's go to verse eight. And I want to set this up, chapter 4, verse 8, as we're going through this series called Opportunity and Opposition. Um, I want you to see here that Peter and John are, are literally on trial for, for God using them to heal a lame man, as we looked at last week. And so they're, 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 they're being questioned, they're being um, persecuted, basically, for doing this. And these um, religious leaders of the Jews, they're really uh, concerned because of what's happening in the name of Jesus, the authority, the person of Christ, what's happening. And so they're they're, they're telling them, look, you guys do not teach or preach in this name any longer. They locked them up and then they brought them out the next morning, do not teach or preach in this name any longer. We're shutting this down, no more. And so this is what happens In, in verse eight, it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then they're on trial for doing something great, kind, good, empathetic, if you were here last week. And Joey talked about that. It says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, the name of Jesus is much more than just something that we say in the name of Jesus to end a prayer. When it speaks of the name, it means the person. It means the authority. It means all that comes with that name and with that person. And so when they're doing these things, he's saying, Look, this is in the name, the person, the power of Jesus. He says, Whom you crucified, this is where he probably gets in a little trouble. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. That this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. He's saying the one that you thought was no good, of, was no, of no worth. He said now he's the cornerstone of the foundation and the kingdom that God is building. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. If you go read the King James Version, which is a pretty literal translation of of Scripture, of of the Hebrew and Greek, um, what you see here is unschooled is translated ignorant. The word, you've heard me say this before, for unschooled in Greek is idiotes. What word do you think we got from idiotes? (laughs) Idiot. And so there's literally, like, let's just put this in our language. They say this when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were idiots, ordinary idiots, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Isn't that awesome? That when God produces this fruit in our life and he's using us in incredible ways, they might come against us, but they can't deny it. Listen to this. So they, they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows. Like There's, there's no, there's no questions. Everyone in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any farther, further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And so listen to what they do. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in all, in, at, at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judge judges as for us. We cannot help speaking about what we have one seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Isn't this pretty incredible? That These ordinary, uneducated idiotes are being used this way by God. And and it's not one of these things where we can just say, God, do it to me. There's there's our part. We have responsibility in this. So what I want to talk to you about this morning um, is what does it take for ordinary people to be used by God? Because all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, that's what we see. We see ordinary people being used by God. God never went to the people who were like, God, I'm glad you finally showed up. I've been waiting on you to use me. he never went to those people. He went to the ones that when he said, I'm gonna use you in this way, they're like, not me, Lord. I don't talk good, I'm the least of my clan. I'm blah, 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 right? And so we see all throughout scripture that God uses ordinary people to change the world. So what does it take for ordinary idiots like me to be used by God? What does it take? The first thing I wanna tell you it takes is it takes a revelation. Not the book of Revelation, something a little different. It takes a revelation. If you're gonna write down something, put it in your phone, it takes a revelation. And I want you to see there's two types of revelation. And the first one is this, it's a revelation of what God has established. It's a revelation of what God has already established. So this is what I mean by that, that God has revealed himself, his plans and purposes, his will in creation, the written word, and in Christ. God has revealed him, he has established this, he has revealed himself in these unchanging, steady, continuous ways through his word, through creation, through Jesus. The Bible tells us it's called general uh, revelation where, where we look at the world and the earth and Romans 1.20 tells us that from the very beginning it's been clear that God has this, is this divine, powerful being. who's created all things. We know that the word of God is his revelation to us. We know that Jesus is the word made flesh and Hebrews 1.3 tells us that you can look at Christ and see the exact imprint, the exact radiance of who God is by looking at the face of Jesus. And so this one thing is that in way of revelation is this continuous, steady, established revelation he's given us through creation, the written word, and Jesus. The second way, and this 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 first revelation stands regardless of if we recognize it or believe it. The second way that revelation happens is is unfolding. So revelation is, one, established and continuous and steady and always the same. On the other side of the coin, though, revelation is unfolding. And what I mean by this is that God reveals his established revelation to us. So he's put it out there. But then as we go through life and, and we hear the gospel proclaimed or we read God's word or, or we're praying, God begins to give us a greater revelation of the revelation he's established. Is that too confusing? Is that good? So like he shows us what already is, what he's already put out there. Go, I want you to see this. Go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He looks at him, he goes, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And listen to this last verse here. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, but this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So Peter now has been walking with Jesus and, and Jesus asked him, who am I? And, and he, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say all these things. He said, but who do you say I am? And Peter blurts out just out of his, you know, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so Peter just says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're the anointed one. You're the one who was to come. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. This wasn't revealed to you by man. This was revealed to you by God. And in other words, God had opened his eyes to be able to see this. And we could say, well, Peter wasn't reading the word when this happened, but understand this, the word was standing in front of Peter. And so think about this. When the gospel is preached, when the word is proclaimed, here's what's so awesome about it. It brings us face to face with Jesus. And in the face of Christ, we see who God really is. And so this revelation that's being unfolded, and you can go and follow Peter's life all through scripture, never perfect in his life, but always going from one revelation to another as God reveals more of himself to him. So revelation, if we're gonna be used, ordinary people are going to be used by Jesus, by God, through the Holy Spirit, then we have to have a revelation of God. The second thing we gotta have is confession, a confession. We gotta have a confession. I'm not talking about like going to a priest and confessing our sins. I'm talking about we've got to have a confession. And I wanna give you four things that we need to confess. The, The first one is this, we need to be able to confess who Jesus is. This is key to salvation. The Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, then we we shall be saved, right? So confession is important. Who is Jesus? Go to Luke. Now go to the gospel of Luke chapter five. I want you to see something here. Luke chapter five. I love this passage. Luke five, we're gonna start in verse one. I'll wait till your pages quit ruffling, let you get there. I ain't got all day now. Y'all hurry up. <laughs> all right, I'm kidding. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets, and so they're finished fishing, they're cleaning up. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who is also Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night. And he used to see, like, what if you're this guy? You've been up fishing all night long. You know how tired you are when you have been up all night long? When I was a youth pastor, we did two lock-ins. I slept a total of 15 minutes at both lock-ins. Like, not like seven and a half minutes each is basically what it boiled down to miserable feeling, right? When you've been up all night long doing something. He said, we've been up all night long, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And here's this incredible obedience that Peter already has, even though this revelation of Jesus and who he really fully is has not come. He says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So that signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink You know, before Peter confesses that you're the Messiah, there's something happening where God is revealing more of who Jesus is to Peter. And here's the incredible thing. When we really begin to see who Jesus is, we really begin to see who God is and something that we don't recognize enough in the church today is the holiness of God and how perfect he is, but when we begin to see and understand more of who God is and he's revealing more of himself, the first reaction we have is the same one as Peter. Lord, get away from me. I am, I am a sinful person. And so our first initial reaction is to flee. And so you see this incredible interaction happening, right, where, where Peter is like, Lord, I don't want to. <laughs> all right, let's go fishing, guys. And the first question in Peter's mind is, who is Jesus? Jesus don't know anything about fishing. And he goes out there and Peter clears up or Jesus clears up one of Peter's misunderstandings through a miracle. And then when Peter recognizes this is not an ordinary man, there's something divine about this man. And he falls on his knees and he's like, I'm a sinful man, Lord, get away from me. Don't, I, you don't need to be around me. I am sinful, I am stained, I'm tarnished. And he's like, go away. And, G- and Peter is literally like questioning, like, who am I to be around this man? Jesus answers Peter's second question or doubt with a promise. And he says, Peter, listen, don't be afraid. And here's the crazy thing. Peter still didn't really fully grasp that Jesus knew everything about him anyway. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, Peter. And the promise is this, from now on, you'll fish for people. And see, Jesus didn't look at Peter's problems. Jesus looked at his potential. And some of us really need to grab hold of that this morning, that when Jesus looks at us, he, 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 in, in his blood, when God looks at us and we're covered in the blood of Christ, it's not that he's ignorant to our sin and to our problems, but he looks at us and he doesn't just stop with you know, needing forgiveness. He looks at us and he sees the potential of who we can become and what we can do when we're in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so just as important, listen, Just as important as it is that we see who Jesus is, we also have to see who we are in Jesus. We have to see who we are in Jesus. And here's the thing, guys. We we typically get to this place where we see who God is. And then we come to this place where we see who we are and we're like, get away from me, Lord. I am sinful. I, I recognize my sin. This is I know, I know, I have fallen. I have fallen. I'm sinful. Get away from me. And typically we stop there. Even in the church, this is a lot of what's preached. Even in the church, it's a lot of what's preached. It goes something like this. God is holy. You're not. You're guilty. You suck and you'll never, ever get it right enough. So keep trying until we just finally condition our hearts to live self-righteously, we no longer see our sin, and so we just begin to act like we've got it all together. And nobody does. Nobody does. And so we can't stop with who I am without Christ. We have to move on to what Jesus has done, this promise that, look, I can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And I have made a way for you to come to me. I made a way for you to be right with me. We have to move on to what Jesus has done and then to who I am in Christ. We can't keep living, guys. We can't keep living out of who I am without Jesus. We have to step into who we are in Christ. Jesus. There's this confession, but listen, it's not just a confession about who Jesus is. We, we, we know that's a part of salvation, but it doesn't stop there. We've got to make a confession and stand firm in this confession of faith about who I am without Christ, yes, but also about what Jesus has done and also about who I am in Christ. We have to continue to confess this, that even though I am an imperfect person, I know who I am in Christ. I'm not gonna let my sin drive a wedge between me and God again because that's been removed, that's been taken away, and even when I trip and stumble, I wanna trip and stumble towards God and get back up and begin to move towards him again. Even when I'm struggling, even in doubt, even in failure, I want to keep pressing towards him. I got to make a confession, who I am in Christ. It's not some pie in the sky, health and wealth gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. confess it and it'll happen. I'm talking about I'm confessing the truth of God's word over my life and I'm not giving the enemy any place to get in my head and take me out of it. The third thing we need is conviction, conviction. We need conviction. Acts 4, 18 through 20. When we look at this, look at this. This is so awesome, guys. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be judges, the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What incredible conviction. What incredible conviction. He's like, you make all the threats you want to. You can cancel me, right? You can cancel me. But here's the thing, you're not gonna shut me up because I have this great conviction that this is the truth and I'm going to preach the truth no matter what. I'm going to proclaim the truth. And we read where he says this, there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Not popular, but I'm preaching it. That there's one way to heaven, Jesus, that all roads don't lead to the same place. There's one road that leads to Jesus and to God. There's a bunch of other ones that lead to hell. Popular? No. We're going to preach it? Yes. Do we love all the people who are on other roads? 100%. But we're not going to pat people on the back and stroke it and just say, hey, it's all good, it's all good, and while we're just guiding them down, 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 down. There's a great conviction about the truth of God's word. And listen, we should love people so much that we refuse to not tell them the truth in love. If we if we withhold the truth, then one we either don't believe it or two we're not loving people very well. But there's got to be a conviction how many of you felt some conviction rise up in you when Chase was singing that last song, I need a ghost? Anybody might feel some conviction rise up in you. Don't you just wish that Chase could just walk behind you all day long going, I need a holy ghost. Don't you wish that? Like what would you be doing then? You'd be like, yeah, praise Jesus. I'm gonna tell everybody about Jesus. That'd be awesome. It's not reality. But that would be awesome. But listen, guys, it doesn't take a song to stir up that conviction in us. All it really takes to have that conviction is to think about who God is, who I am without Jesus, what Jesus has done and who I have become. And if you've been walking with God for any amount of time, you go and you think back to who you were before Christ and what your life was like, and there will be a a conviction that rises up inside of you that says, I love people too much to not tell them the truth. Because I know what Jesus has done for me. The fourth thing, It has to happen if ordinary people, idiotes, unschooled, uneducated people are going to be used by God in astonishing ways is there has to be a devotion. See, when revelation comes, there's a confession that comes. Then there's a conviction that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. There's a conviction that comes and then there's a devotion that begins to take place. God gives me a new heart. I have a new affection for God. I want to be devoted to him. I want to pursue. I don't always feel like pursuing, but my heart is bent towards God. So here's the question again. Do you really want to live a life That's astonishing. Listen to this verse. They saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let me tell you this. If you really wanna live a life that's astonishing, ask this question, how much time do I spend with Jesus? Because the thing that these people took away is they recognized, they knew these people had been with Jesus. Let me tell you, how we function in our community, is, it's a lot easier in here. How we function in our community in sharing the gospel, in helping people and giving them um, the love of Christ, the, the, to the, the magnitude of which we do that will come out of the time we spend with Jesus. It is an overflow that begins to happen. Listen, we we were at a baseball tournament the other day. Um, Reed had his first little live pitch tournament. And, you know, I love my kids because I miss a day of hunting to go watch him. Um, But kids hunting, kids hunting. You know, I'm kidding. It wasn't that big a decision, but... We went, and and the night before, we'd been at Brunswick um, with Dake's football game, and then I got home. I finally got in bed about 2 in the morning, got back up about 6.30 to go over to Effingham to play in this tournament. I'm dead dog tired, right? Been a week already, and and I'm tired. And we we get done with the tournament, and I'm like, good. And and I was kind of glad we lost, because if we didn't lose, we're going to be there till 10-something that night, and we got to leave at like 7. And so I was like, doggone it, We lost. (laughs) and so we, we were leaving we're walking out to the parking lot and you know there's, there's my car right here there's a red car two spaces over with a flat tire and I see this guy standing there and just from appearances it, it didn't seem like he probably had a whole lot of, of money and, and, and just things like that and he's kind of like literally kind of like kicking the tire and so I'm like oh, I want to go home Gosh, I want to go. But you know, there was a conviction in me that there's no way I'm leaving this guy here, right? And so I walk over to him and I'm like, "Uh, you got a spare? He goes, yeah, not a good one. I was like, well, does anybody have a good one? And it's like, they're all like bicycle tires, it seems like. But he pulled it out and literally it looked like a bicycle tire. I'm like, how far you got to go? He goes, two hours. not going to make it. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I don't even have my tire tool to take the tire off. All right, well, let me go see if mine will work. So I go and, you know, like they don't put those things anywhere easy. And so I'm like digging in the back of Susan's um, Explorer and I'm like pulling up stuff. I don't even know if we'll ever get it put back together, but I finally find ours. I'm like, hey, I got one, I got one. I go running over there and I try to turn the the lug nuts. Um, It's too big. I'm like, ah! And so then I was like, dude, look, I can't help. And I got in my car, I came home. I mean, it, I didn't do that, y'all, come on, come on. <laughs> Give me a little bit of credit. But, but I went and, and, and I saw a guy who works for a construction company here in town and he's got every tool known to man in his truck. I mean, like literally his whole bed of his truck is a toolbox. And so I walked over and I'm like, hey, you got a ratchet set or something in your truck? And he's like, of course. And I'm like, go back there. And he pulls out a drawer and there's like, I mean, it looked like Lowe's in the back of his truck. And, and so he gave me some tools and he goes, oh, wait a minute. And he reaches in his uh, back seat. I'm like, who does this? He reaches in his back seat and he pulls out one of those like um, pneumatic torque wrench things. Like they, they use in NASCAR. I don't even know what you call it. It's one of those things like, and it's a battery operated when I'm like, who carries this around? And so he gives me that. I go over and 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 I take the tire off. I put I put the spare tire on and I'm not kidding. I let the jack down, you know, I'm letting, it's like one of those, you got to turn. I'm like beating my arm to death with the thing every time I turn it. I let it down and the, flat, and the, the spare tire, it's like. <laughs> and so me and the guy I borrowed the tools from are standing there and like, yeah, that ain't gonna, he's going back to Dublin from Rinkin. I'm like, yeah, that ain't gonna work. I said, all right, Parker's right down there. Go down to Parker's. We'll put some air because he said that the tire, the good, the the better tire would hold some air. And so I said, "All right, let's go." Um, we went down to Parker's. I said, well, "We'll just fill up the better tire to get you home." But in my mind, I already know what's got to happen. We got to pump up the tire. We got to jack up the car again. We got to take off the spare. We got to put the other one back on, and we got to let it all back down again. So I'm like, I'm gonna be 10 o'clock getting out of here anyway. We should have just won the championship, you know? <laughs> so we get there and I, and, I, and I take off the spare and, and here's what, golly, this grabbed my heart, guys. He's over there and, and we get there to, to pay, um, to put the air in and it's like $1.50 and I look over there and he's got a two liter Coke bottle and he's pouring change out of it. I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 what you doing? He goes, because I thought he was trying to give us money. I'm like, don't you give me no money. And, and he goes, I was going to try to get enough to pay for the air. I can pay for the air, right? Go over, pay for the air. Susan goes in, gets him a Coke and just different things. And, and pump up the tire. You know, we change the tire. Long story short, change it. And... Here's the thing, though, guys, and it wasn't one of those times where it was like the heavens opened and he fell at my knees. I'm like, do not worship me. This is done in the name of Jesus, right? Like that didn't happen. But it was a time to just really be able to share the love of Christ. But how easy would it have been to not live out of conviction, to live out of convenience? And this is what I can tell you. I can't pat me on the back. Because Brandon would have got in the car and left. That's the grace of God working in us. And see, one of the things we've got to come to is a greater revelation of God's grace. Write this down if you're still taking notes, you hadn't fallen asleep, or been like, look, dude, you, you need to shut up. Um, write this down. Grace is not just God's unmerited favor, it is that. But if you read through scripture, it's almost like grace is personified, meaning like it's almost like a person. It's such an outworking of the spirit that it even takes on some of the attributes of God in a way. It's like like in um, Titus, he tells us, Paul writes this, he says, "The, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Like just a word doesn't necessarily, but people Teach. And there's almost like this personification of grace. We need a greater revelation of God's grace because grace is God's unmerited favor, his unconditional love. But it is also God doing for us, in us, and through us what we cannot do for ourselves. It's bigger than that. And when we don't have this clear, big revelation of grace, some things begin to happen. One of those is we have a weak conviction. We don't have any want to. And listen here's one of the biggest issues in our society is people today have no conviction about anything. They just go with the wind. We don't stand firm. We watch politicians waffle all over the place. I'm like right or wrong, just stand your ground and lead out a conviction. We don't see conviction. Because we have no conviction, we we don't feel like it. But listen, we as believers, we lack conviction today because we've lost or never gained a revelation of knowing Jesus. So I just don't feel like it. But here's the the good news, guys. As Christians, as believers who have the truth and have the Holy Spirit, we don't live by feelings. We live by faith and we live by truth. Another thing that happens with a limited revelation of grace is we have limited availability. It's just not important to me. I feel like other things are more important. So Jesus becomes a lucky rabbit's foot that I keep in my pocket for when I need him. But he's not really that important on my list of things because all these other things seem to be more important. But again, we don't live by what we think is important. We live by faith and by the truth. Another thing that happens with limited revelation of grace is an unconscious living. Now what I, mean, I don't mean, you're like walking through life like this. I went to wake up one of my sons the other day and I was trying to wake him. He said he wanted to go hunt and ended up not getting up. So I woke him up and I'm waking him up and he goes, it's a different YouTube channel. And then he he calls out one of his friends. name. you know, so-and-so has it. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, but keep talking. There might be some information in here I need. (laughs) And so there's this limited uh, consciousness. I'm not talking about walking through life like that. I'm talking about walking through life and we're not awake and alert. Because listen, opportunities are endless. They're around us everywhere. And so we need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to be mindful of Christ. Susan was talking about this week, how this week she was just very intentional in praying, God, you know, open my eyes to opportunities. And she had opportunities just come to her in school. I mean, literally just walking up to her. And I think some of that is God leading her into those opportunities. Other parts of that though, is us being aware of the opportunities and recognizing them. Don't live unconscious. Something else that happens with limited revelation of grace is feelings of inadequacy. Inadequacy being a a lack of quantity or quality that we deem to be required. A lack of quality or quantity. So so many of you feel like I'm not enough to be used by God. There's no way I can be used by God. You've got too small of a revelation of grace, of God's ability to do in you for you and through you what you cannot do on your own. Here's the good thing, you feel like you're not enough but we don't live by feelings. We live by faith and we live by the truth. Here's the last one. With a limited revelation of grace, we have an inability to move beyond our failures. This kind of ties in with this inadequacy feeling but for some of you, you even feel like, man, I'm damaged goods. There's no way God can use me. God knows, and I know what I've done. I know who I've been. Maybe even right now, I know who I am. God can't use me. You've got a too small of a revelation of God's grace, of what God can and will do for you, in you, and through you for his kingdom. See, if there's anybody that can speak to this, there's a lot of people in the Bible, but to give you a real-life example, that's me. I was a roofer for 10 years. If you had told me 20 years ago I would do what I do, I would have laughed at you in the face. I'd be like, you're an idiot. I <laughs> Listen, I was, I was a roofer. Went to college, did all that, but I was a roofer. Put on roofs, I mopped down asphalt, I nailed shingles. I, I, I put down metal panels on a roof. And here's the thing, I'm not talking like, like saying roofers are dumb. No, I've been around a lot of people who don't have letters behind their name who are much smarter than the people with the letters behind their name. Amen. But here's the thing, guys, that I realize. It's like when there's a national crisis, they don't get on the phone and go, we need to call the roofers. <laughs> Y'all ever heard that? It's not like President Trump, he's like, we've got a national crisis, Iran is about to invade Israel, get the roofers here now. Like, that doesn't happen. I mean, if you look at it, you'd be like, no, they don't have much to offer. But what about God? What about God's opinion? Is it right in God's eyes or in the eyes of man? Because God would say otherwise. And the thing I want you to see God is, is guys, is God uses ordinary people who've been with Jesus. And I'm telling you, and I know I oversimplify things. Everybody's like, and this is, I'm not making fun of people who tell me this because they're right so many times. People are like, you just live like 30,000 feet in the air. Like, we got to get it down here. Like, give me a step or, you know, something like that. And I'm like, I don't know any more steps. Like, I got saved. I just started reading the Bible and trying to do what it says. Like, that's all I know to do. And, and when we look at this, this is, seems like oversimplification, but I, listen, God calls idiotes so he don't make it hard. So when I look at this, what I realize is this, what they were doing came out of being with Jesus. So you know what that tells me? If I'll put my focus on being with Jesus, guess what he's gonna do? If I'll put my focus on being with Jesus, and I'll spend my time with Jesus being mindful of Jesus, and, and I realize this: that out of the devotion to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. what do we see in this? We see where the believers were constantly in prayer, they were praying, they were praying, they were praying. And what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were given courage and boldness. And if you will pursue God, not, not just not, not wrong to ask for it, but if we would just pursue God and not pursue the courage and the boldness and all that, guess what would happen? I would get with Jesus, and Jesus would give me the courage and the boldness. I was praying right here before, and I get man, when I, when I'm about to speak, I just get in this place, like just. And I'm praying. One day I was praying down here, and, and like they played the, the last song, and I'm still praying. And Lindsay Callahan was leading that song and she prayed and I'm still standing down there. And she knows like he's supposed to come up here after that song. And I'm still down there praying. And she told me later, she's like, I was like, I'm done, I don't have nothing else. <laughs> so she's like, just stay standing." here. And then John comes down here and he, he walks up beside me. He's like, hey, it's time for you to go up there. I'm like, no, no, they're gonna sing this song. He goes, they just did. I'm like, that was that song? He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh gotta go but listen guys i know like i can't do this i can't do this and i was praying this morning god just your grace just your grace you do for me in me and through me what i cannot do on my own i'm a flawed human being but god your grace is enough i want you to take that away that god's grace is enough for us get with jesus well i don't know how to read the bible you know how you learn how to read the bible read it Get with somebody else that reads it. Catch it. It's caught, not taught a lot of times. I don't know how to pray. Pray. That's way you want to pray. And 20 years later, you look back and go, that prayer wasn't even biblical. And God goes, I know. That's why I didn't answer it. <laughs> you want to know how to pray? Pray. You know how to worship? Sing. But get with Jesus. I want to be somebody, and and gosh, y'all, I'm so far from this so many times. I I understand this. I want to be somebody that one lives an astonishing life. That's great. But if I go after living an astonishing life, it's not gonna, it'll never happen. More than that, I want to be somebody that when people leave, they go, he's been with Jesus. At the end of my life, And I've done this before, it didn't go so well. If someone asks my kids, what was most important to your dad? I hope they'll say his relationship with Jesus. I did that a few years ago, it didn't go so good. But hopefully I'm growing, right? So before we go, I want to give an opportunity though, if you don't know him. You've never said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You've never recognized, had a revelation of who God is, who you are in your sin, but that Jesus paid the price for that sin and you can become a new creation in Christ and be an ordinary idiot that God uses in crazy ways by just being with Jesus. If you've never done that, listen, listen. If you're saved, I'm going to ask you, like, you pray. You pray right now. If you're saved, you pray. Like, this, is, this could be an eternity-changing thing for people. I know you're ready to go. I know I'm long-winded. Sorry. But you pray. Because right now, there may be somebody in here that God is tugging on their heart and drawing them to himself. And listen, they just need the courage to say yes. And so if you've never said, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. Yes, Jesus, you are my Savior. Yes, Jesus, you paid the price for my sin. Yes, Jesus, I'm a flawed idiot. But understand this, Jesus. I recognize who you are, I recognize who I am. I see what you did for me on the cross and today, God, I wanna be a new creation in you and I wanna live out a life that's different than you and I wanna be like Peter, I wanna be like John, I wanna be like um, James and Andrew when they just left their nets, I wanna follow you. If today you do not have a relationship with Jesus but you know this, he's calling me, he's drawing me and today I've had that revelation. And right now, why don't you take that step of faith? Because the Holy Spirit's drawing you. So if that speaks to you right where you're at today, then we want to acknowledge that. We want to acknowledge that by having you stand to your feet right now and say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to leave everything and follow Jesus. I want to leave this with an encouragement. Get with Jesus. Get with Jesus. The revelation of who he is is forever unfolding and it will unfold throughout eternity. You will never exhaust the riches of his grace. Get with Jesus. Father, we thank you for that, that we can come to you. We can know you, God, that there is life in you, that we, as flawed as we are and as as human as we are, God, we can come boldly before your throne of grace. And God, I pray we would do that in an ever-increasing way, that we would be conscious, we would live awake, we would live sober-minded for you, remembering who you are, who we are without Jesus, what you have done, and who we have become in Christ. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, guys, y'all have a good week. We'll see you next week.